0: Well, hello there, and welcome to this Calvary Longview audio message. We're so glad you've chosen to take a moment to discover with us the truth that can be found in the Bible, and we pray that you'll be blessed by what you hear. Today, Pastor Al is going to be sharing with us a message from the book of Jeremiah. We can't wait to get into God's Word, so crack open your Bible, grab your note-taking tools, and we'll get started. Turn in
1: your Bible to Jeremiah chapter 40. And um, I wanted to announce, uh, this is kind of exciting. I know it's, it's kind of hard to do in the summertime, but our leadership class that we had pre-COVID was going to go through this. And we were going to open it up to the entire body, uh, and we will. So especially if you want to be a teacher, you, you, your desire is to teach God's Word in any ministry here at Calvary or you know, you want to become uh, a better student of the, the Word and learn how to, to really captivate. You say, well, God's Word doesn't, uh, you know, I can't get it. I'm not, you know, not making sense or whatever. You're going to learn to grab a hold of it and let God's Word grab a hold of you. So we're going to have a two-weekend, two Saturdays, uh, inductive Bible study class here at the church. The cost is $20. If you don't have that, don't worry about it. It'll cover lunch. It'll cover your notebook, which is... Uh, Pages of information, you're going to learn how to chart and how to understand the Bible. How it will you know you're going to pay attention and, and let, letting it come to life for you? And then, if you want to be a teacher here at Calvary, this is a requirement. So, uh, you know, we want to make sure that you understand how to study the word properly for teaching uh, the inductive Bible study way. So, it's going to be July 18th yeah, or the 11th and the 18th. Uh, the times are, are there. Uh, they might be on a website now. You can go there and sign up for it. And, um, you know, this is an investment in your life. So it's going to be a great time. So uh, the 11th and the 18th, we were going to do a just an a, uh, introduction on the 11th, but it's, it's long. The days will be about four to six hours. And I would lean, uh, lunch will be included on both those days. Somehow, someway, we'll get some... Uh, I don't know how do you say it, COVID-free lunch in here. <laughs> Sorry, I don't, I don't know how to put it. I'm, I'm not very candid with my words, am I? But, you know, to do it right. So if we have to order out, we'll order out. And that 20 bucks, you know, doesn't go a long way for that. You might get M&M's, prepackaged, kid size, but you'll have something. So that's the easy. And then this Sunday's Father's Day. I want to encourage you, I know you got barbecues lined up and all this and that. Uh, Father's Day 2 services at 9 and 11. And uh, no child care as of yet. We're waiting a little bit, but uh, I want to encourage you to come out for those services as well. If you don't feel comfortable, you know, like in a, uh, an area to where maybe the sanctuary, we do have our cafe and we also have our living room. Plenty of seating to where you can get a little closer into the service without having to be into the service. So with that, Jeremiah chapter 40. Now, these times, these events that are recorded here in Jeremiah, They're after the fall of Jerusalem. We've been studying this for several months now. And looking at the time where Jeremiah would say, you know, these things are coming. Now we've, we've covered 40 years in just a short time. And so the time now here is after the fall of Jerusalem, these events are taking place. We're going to have to cut it off in our study right in the middle of something, but only because we'll pick it up next week. But check this out, because at this time, when Judah, Jerusalem, has been taken captive, it's been ruined, God has his people out doing the work of the ministry. He has Ezekiel in, in Babylon ministering to those who have been taken captive, and we've studied Ezekiel. Daniel, we've studied. He's in a palace with uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And then you have Jeremiah here. Jeremiah is set free and he's going to Ramah. And he goes to Gadaliah to minister to the remnant of Jews that are there. So in all over the area, God's got his people who are ministering this time. It's just not the story of Jeremiah. Then we'll get to the next time. These guys, God has a specific place for them to be and to minister to. So one might think that the fall of the city... They might learn their lesson. You know, it would have taught Judah their lesson of, uh, you know, maybe that they would never forget. You ever think about that? Because I think in our own lives, I would hope anyhow that anything that I go through of catastrophic events, that it may I may learn something. You too, right? We want to learn. Maybe our children are the same way. We would hope that they would learn that... You don't ever want to go that route again, you know. You don't ever want to get to that point of I'm not am not a test taker. Don't like them, right? I'm just not that kind of guy. So when it comes to tests in, in school, I, I mean high school, I was many years past now. I used to duck out. I'm just not. I don't like being put on the spot. But um, you you think that that we might go through these tests that we learn in life. And see where we're at and learn from them. You know, whatever happens, you know, uh, in our lives, all of a sudden we're, we're in captivity or our lives are a wreck. And that might be a, that might be a lesson for us and we need to learn. And we'd hope and pray that some of the, the things that we've gone through or our loved ones that they've gone through, some of the biggest mistakes that they make or that we make might be some of the greatest growing moments in our lives. You'd think and you'd hope, right? I mean, I'd hope that. Why would you crash that car? Well, because I didn't change the brakes. Well, the idiot lights have been on for six months, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, you, there's, there's things that we want to learn, uh, you know, that we, we, we go through that we hopefully will learn. And Jeremiah demonstrated that the basic character of the people who remained uh, in the land had gone unchanged. Nothing had changed. You, you think about this, it's been 40 years, 20 years or so since uh, the last few chapters. They've been in captivity for 70 years. And the opportunity to change—they hadn't changed. I don't think about that today because I think it applies, is it not? We've been kind of in captivity. But what's changed? I've been—I've t- been telling this for a long time. You know, ever since we've been on Wednesdays, what's changed in our hearts? We can't change nothing going on out there. Can't change our—you know—our leadership, political leaders. Can't change that. Can't change Chad. Chaz, Chop, whatever it is today, can't change their, their, their ideology. You can't change that right now. I mean, there's nothing that we can. And thank God we did have some Calvary pastors up there. I got a note from them that they were up there meeting with the leaders and praying with them. Pretty cool. But here's the thing. When, we're, when we go in this time of captivity, we want to change. We should be taking inventory in our own lives. What's going on? If we really believe, like I'm hearing from the church, that Jesus can come back at any moment... Amen? Anybody with me? If we're hearing that from our own hearts and we're singing that, we're saying, yeah, I believe you can come back. Well, what is prompting us to change? What is prompting us to, you know, to, what is it, are we allowing God to take inventory in our lives? So the people of Judah from Jerusalem, they still refuse to trust God and to submit to Babylon. Remember that's what he said, you go to Babylon, you'll live. Just submit. Just submit. It ever come to the point of, if it ever did come to the point, I hope I'm not speaking prophetically, in this case. But ever came to a point to where we were taken captive, right? Because you're a Christian. What would you do? you going to fight against it? You're going to bear arms? For what purpose? I, I, I would imagine God saying the same thing. Let's just go and minister to the people who were taken captive with you. Let's just go. Is this home is not your home. I, I hope I'm, like I said, I hope I'm not speaking prophetically that we're all going to be taken captive. But you never know what's going to happen. In this world, anything's up any, anything for grabs. But these guys refused to, to submit to God. Remember the Lord told them quite over, if you surrender to Babylon, you'll live. But they refused to listen to him. and And you know what, they just wanted to have things, they just wanted everything to be okay. They just wanted to do their time and, you know, that's what he should have done, do their time and deal with things that have been all right, but they refuse to listen to God. As a matter of fact, Ezekiel, in Ezekiel chapter 33, he records this of the hard-heartedness of the people during this time. He says this, verse 23, he says, Then the, Lord, then the word of the Lord came to me, this is Ezekiel saying, Son of man, they who inhabit those ruins in the land of Israel are saying, Abraham was only one, And he inherited the land, but we are many. The land has been given to us as a possession. See, yes, the land had been given to Abraham, but Abraham had to do what? He had to live by faith, didn't he? He had to trust God. And Romans chapter 4 tells us that, you know, it it wasn't what he did. It was his faith that was accounted to him for righteousness. Well, so the occupants of the land... They wanted to have the land given to them. They said, Abraham's one, but we're many, so we should really have this land given to us. But what they wanted, they wanted their enemies to just leave them alone, and so that they could live their life the way they wanted to live it without having to submit to God. See, they forgot the God factor. That's what a lot of people do. They forgot the God factor, that God was involved, and he had a say, and especially you think of those who belong to him. Think about your your families. People that are backsliding. We've been praying for backsliders through Jeremiah, right? And, and, and every, most every time I've been encouraging you guys to pray for backsliders so that God would move in their lives and they would come back. And we've had testimony of people uh, from California all the way up to Washington and thereabouts repenting, coming back to Jesus. We don't see the fruit of that here in, you know, in the church because we're hearing it from different states. But it's happening. And, and people are coming back to faith in Christ. It's incredible. So here, even Ezekiel was saying that, you know, they just want to live their lives. They're so hard-hearted. They just want to live their lives the, the way they want to live them. And they don't want to submit to God. They want to leave the God factor out of the equation. How can you do that? Listen, they had a relationship with God. Our family members who have backslidden have had a relationship with them, and he's drawing them. It's by his spirit. They're fighting this big spiritual battle, but they're living in sin. And God is saying, you know what? I've got such great grace for you. And it's hard to kick against the goads. It's hard. It's labor intense. And so they had forgotten this God factor, and God was involved in their lives, and they didn't want it. They were trying to, you know, trying to squelch God, And they didn't, you know, they didn't want to hear from him. You can't silence the Holy Spirit. You cannot silence the Holy Spirit. Remember, remember the psalmist says, even though I made my bed in hell, he is there. You can drink yourself into an oblivion, but he is there. Talking to a fellow that used to go to church here, he's moved out of state, and he's been going through a very, very rough time in his life last night, he, he began, he, he got me on a prayer list. We prayed, some of us, I sent out a prayer thing. He thought he had COVID and he uh, was so sick. Sent me two pictures. He was a mess. Looked like a Mack truck hit him head on. I mean, he was a mess. And he texted me back, he said, thanks for praying. I'm still sick, but I don't have COVID. He's in a different state. So he's, he but, but in the end, he says, I've turned my life back over to God. Like so many today, they want to have their lives but dismiss anything to do with God. Where is that going to get you? Let God deal with you. Let Him lead you. That's called faith. It's the biggest thing that, that, that I think that hinders people in a relationship with God is the ability to trust Him. When, in fact, they were doing it for so long, but now they've got all this junk in their trunk and it's come out and it's all over their mug and everything. Listen, God has the ability to, to overcome that. But we have, to be, we have to trust in him, do we not? You and I the same way. I was, I'll be a little candid here. I was this morning I was reading uh, through Matthew through the parable of the sower and I was listening to the Lord saying, Lord, you know what? I'm just, I'm just struggling. And I was reading through that and I go, Lord, what's going on? What is, how does this passage apply to my life right now? And he says, you don't have rest because you have too many rocks in your life. And The rocks in my life are all the media junk that I've allowed to get in there. I don't have no room for God's word to settle in. You see, so I just repented of that stuff. And man, did I have instant peace. It was cool. So listen, the, the hearts of people hadn't changed. And Jeremiah, he's going to go speak to the governor. Look at verse 1 of chapter 40. He says, Then the word, of the, word, of the, then the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, that I, I'm already getting tongue-tied looking at these names I have to go to. I've already went through them already, right? The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the the Lord after Nebuchadnezzar, and the the captain of the guard um, had let him go uh, from Ramah. And when he had taken him, bound in chains among all who were carried away captive from Jerusalem, and Judah who were carried uh, away captive to Babylon, and the captain of the guard, if you have your Bible, underline that. And the captain of the guard took Jeremiah and said to him, the Lord your God has pronounced this doom on you. Did you get that? Do you know why I had you underline that? Because here is a Babylon guard, unsaved, non-Jew, who's recognizing that the truth of what God had said, more than the people of God. He's recognizing that, oh, you guys are going through this because uh, the Lord your God has pronounced this doom on his place. He recognizes that. See, it's interesting that the world at times, he unsaved, it's interesting that they can see why a believer is going through what they're going through, because they're not walking with God. They're backslidden. And they'll they'll come up and say, man, I can't believe my my life is a mess. Weren't you a Christian? And it's not weren't you like you checked out, it's just that you've, in your Christian life, you filled it with muck, you know? You filled it with a bunch of junk, and all of a sudden your life is a mess, and the Babylonians, It's interesting, this guard believes the word of God more than the people of God believe the word of God. I mean, there's a time out there, right? I was watching this debate on um, CHOP, whatever it is up there in Seattle. It wasn't a debate, it was these two gals going toe-to-toe with the leader, one of the leaders of uh, the, I don't even know what it's called now, I'll just call it CHOP because that's the last thing, it's uh, Capitol Hill on whatever. Uh, so anyway, they were battling, and, and they were telling him, you know, you're in the wrong of what you're doing. And the guy had asked him at the end, he said, oh, you guys have been waiting for your God for a long time. When do you, when do you want this Jesus to come? And they, they cut out of the conversation. I was like, man, I want to hear that. See, they, want, they know, they're listening. Jesus is coming. This is the world knowing. And Jesus is coming. Something's taking place. So well, anyway, listen, the guard's still speaking, verse 3. Now the Lord has uh, brought it. And has done just as he said, because you people have sinned. This is still the guard, the guard speaking. Because you people have sinned against the Lord and have not obeyed his voice. Therefore, this thing, he says, that has come upon you. And now look, I free you this day from the chains that were on your hand. If it seems good to you to come uh, with me to Babylon, come and I will look after you. But if it seems wrong for you to come with me to Babylon, remain here. See all that is in the land before you, uh, wherever it seems good and convenient for you to go, go there. And so the offers of Jeremiah it seems very appealing. You can go wherever he wants to do. And, and, and the conditions of the people that they're in, he's like, if I have that choice, I don't know what you're thinking. I'm thinking, I can go to Hawaii. Check. Get me out of here. Not now. Not today. Because, I mean, they're probably just a bigger mess. There's nowhere you can run to be in peace and safety here. So you can go into captivity, the guard says. And go with me and I will provide for you. Say, I'll take care of you. I'll look after you. I'll take care of you. Or you can go to Babylon. You'll have provision there. Jeremiah, wherever you go, you're going to be taken care of. And so he'd also be able to see those who hadn't, you know, he hadn't seen for a while, speaking of those who have been in captivity, if you go back to Babylon. Or you can go back to the governor look at verse 5. Now, while Jeremiah had not yet uh, gone back, Nebuchadnezzar said, Go back to Gadaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, whom the king of Babylon has made governor over the city of Judah and dwell with him among the people. Or go wherever it seems convenient for you to go. So the captain of the guard gave him rations and a gift and let him go. Then Jeremiah went to Gadaliah, the son of Ahikam, uh, to Mizpah, and dwelt with him among the people who were left in the land. So Jeremiah was free to make a choice where he wanted to go. It's a word from Nebuchadnezzar, and, you know, go here or go there, you know, wherever, wherever it is. Look at verse 7. And when all the captains of the army armies who were in the field, they and their men heard that the king of Babylon had made Gadaliah the son of Iakim governor in the land and had committed to he, uh, to him men, women, and uh, women, children and the poorest of, of of the land who had not been carried away captive to Babylon. Remember these guys were the guys that were leaving behind. They were gonna give them fields. They were giving them some land. They felt that they would be faithful to them. If, if they just gave them responsibility, you give them land, they're gonna be loyal to you, you know. But the Babylonians you knew that they would get taxes from this. They would give fruit wine from it, whatever. They, they, they thought that, well, the, give it to the poor people, the poorest of the poor, and they will take care of it. These are the people he's talking about here. In verse eight, then they came to Gadaliah at Mizpah, Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah, and Johanan, uh, and Jonathan, the sons of Cariah, uh, Sariah, the son of uh, Tanmuth, and the son of Ephi, the Naphtaliah, Naphtathite, and Jazaniah, the son of Meakathite, of a Meacathite, they were, uh, they and their men. And Gadaliah, the sons of Achim, the son of Shaphan. This guy, Shaphan, he goes all the way back to the days of Josiah. When Josiah, remember they read the word and it began the Josiah reform in his day? This guy was the guy. So he has some pedigree of staying true to the word. So here he is again. And it says that the son of Shaphan. Uh, he was the son of and took an oath before them and their men, saying, Do not be afraid to serve the Chaldeans. This is something that Jeremiah has been preaching for a long time. Dwell in the land and serve the king of Babylon, and it shall be well with you. As for me, I will dwell at Mizpah and serve the Chaldeans who come to us. But you gather wine and summer fruit and oil and put them in your vessels and dwell in your cities that you have taken. Likewise, when all the Jews who were in Moab among the Ammonites in Edom and who were in all the countries heard that the king of Babylon had left a remnant of Judah and that he had set over them Gadaliah, the son of Ahakim, the son of Shaphan, then all the Jews returned out of all the places where they had been driven and came to the land of Judah to Gadaliah and Mizpah, and gathered wine and summer fruits in abundance. Now, this is kind of a cool thing. Because all of a sudden, you know, post-70 years, you have these guys that are starting to gather again. And it's always good to see people, isn't it? I mean, imagine the first Sunday we were here after a while, and it still happens today, after being, what, 12 weeks at where we couldn't meet, or 10 weeks, whatever it was. And then you have a little handful of people coming, and they're just so excited about Wow, it's wonderful. Then you go to two services just to help the crowds out a little bit, the crowd situation, and put them in other rooms. And it's like, oh, this is so cool. I mean, that's what's happening here. So you'd hope that this would be an exciting time. I mean, right? They haven't seen each other for a while, and they've heard, uh, they, they haven't heard anything from the Lord. And now they're gathering together again. They're coming together. They're going to meet up by, uh, in, in Judah. They're going to meet in Jerusalem or around the area uh, here. And, and, you know, people gathering together, wanting to hear. There's a remnant, wanting to hear. What does God have to say? In the midst of all the chaos, what is it that the Lord has to say? So it's something like that took place like uh, when 9-11 hit. People began to fill churches, right? And they were gathering together. People you hadn't seen for a long time. I mean, I just opened a door in Vancouver, and we were the church down there, opened the doors in Vancouver, sat in a foyer and watched people come in. And I'd come in, I'd meet their needs the best I could, but they were coming in to find some kind of security, some kind of safety, some kind of solace, some kind of, you know, hope that they didn't have out there. And they didn't want to pray in their cars, they wanted to come to a church to pray. And then they would find themselves through churches, coming to churches all over. And it began to fill people up, and they found their... They found comfort and community, but the failure was they didn't find the Lord of comfort. You see, they thought just the place was a place where they can go to and find comfort. Now, those who did find the Lord out of it, I mean, I'm not saying that not, not anybody did, but after a time when, as the families would meet together, they, they, that's what we're here, the church, to hear from the Lord. But sadly, after things began to settle down, people just began to, you know, float on out again, right? Now, today we have kind of a reverse reaction because today we're seeing people gather together and they're you know, wanting to gather together, but there's still you know, some kind of uh, regulations and this and that to where we can and cannot. Uh, you know, I would hope that I would be busting doors down. You can't keep me out of church. Let's go. Let's do this. So we we went to two services to try and accommodate all that. But still, you know, you have this kind of reversing corona hits, you know. People are gathered here all of a sudden, corona hits, you're down for 10 weeks. We're kind of seeing that same thing. People are excited again once they hear. And then there are people that are recognizing that, wow, for all this time that I have been in the world or been in church or something, maybe I haven't been hearing what I need to hear. And that's why people are out there surfing on the internet And they're watching live services to see who's really teaching the word. And they can tell the difference. They can really see a snake oil salesman, right? They see the guy and they go, oh, there he is asking for money. You know everything's broke, the economy's under the tank and all this. He's not trusting God, but he's telling me to trust God. Send me more money. You see, the thing is that uh, even today we see that. We see people that are, you know, this coronavirus, it hits. And we're going to see people gathering together and we want to see that. But we don't just want to see them come and find some type of peace, and then when it's all said and done, if it's ever said and done, then, you know, people just have a tendency to float back out. But if God uses this to bring people to the church and to the facility, to the place to where God's people are going to gather, we want to make sure we're giving them the goods, the Bible, right? Give them the gospel message. The only hope that's going to last forever. And so look at this as you get into verse 13. This is an assassination plot. Moreover, Johanan, the son of Kareem, and all the captains of the forces that were in the field came to Galilee at Mizpah and said to him, Do you certainly know that Bialas, the king of the Ammonites, this is modern-day Jordan, so if you're thinking and looking at Israel, off to your right or the east would be uh, Jordan, he sent Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, to murder you. But Gadaliah, the son of Iakim, did not believe them. Then Johanan, the son of Korea, spoke secretly to Gadaliah and Mizpah, saying, Let me go, please, and I will kill Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah, and no one will ever know it. This is the guy you want to trust, right? Why should he murder you so that all the Jews who are gathered to you would be scattered and the remnant in Judah perish? But Gadaliah, the son of Iakim, Said to Johanan, the son of Korea, you shall not do this thing for you speak falsely concerning Ishmael. You see, why all of a sudden is there anarchy and hidden attempts to kill the governor? I mean, this is what's happening here. The relationship between Judah and Ammon is an interesting one. They were both puppet leaders. Nobody really controlled their own nation. They were put there by Nebuchadnezzar. And he would say, you know, you're going to control this area, you're going to control that area, everything you're going to control. But once the people would leave, or once the captivity was over, they thought they had rights to it. Look, I've been serving here for a long time. I'm going to be the king of this or the king of that. And so they wanted to take up this honor for themselves. And so they all bowed down to the king. But in 593, both of these nations participated in the secret meeting. And they thought, hey, let's get together and talk about the prospect of reuniting to rebel against Babylon. You're going to rebel against King Nebi? You're going to rebel against Nebuchadnezzar? I mean, who who do you think you are? So the meeting that they had, uh, these two leaders, it it never amounted to much. But in 588 BC, a few years later, the new Egyptian pharaoh, Pharaoh Hophra, persuaded Judah, Ammon, and Tyre to revolt against Babylon. And because of the plans, Nebuchadnezzar decided to, uh, he he thought, okay, now I know which uh, nation to attack first. And he directed his attack against Judah instead of Ammon. So Judah and Ammon, Ammon, they were still allies when Jerusalem fell. But even though they were allies, they didn't care for one another, they had this, again, this marriage by convenience kind of relationship. But this is why Gadaliah, uh, his commitment to Babylon was unsettling to Ammon. Or Ammon. If Judah de- did submit to Babylon, then Nebuchadnezzar finished, uh, after he finished uh, with uh, the siege against Tyre, he would probably come against them next. So the plan to kill Gadaliah was a you know, uh, bad plan. It <laughs> wasn't a good plan. <laughs> And he was, uh, this whole thing about this commit to large number of troops, Nebuchadnezzar, he was going to remain there in order and improve Ammon's chances for survival. So this is why Baalus, if you looked up there, the king of the Amorites of Jordan, was trying to take advantage. He wanted to replace a pro-Babylonian Gadaliah with an anti-Babylonian leader like Ishmael. But if Ishmael were allowed to take Gadaliah's life, it would cause all the Jews in the land to be scattered and then to perish. So, Gadaliah ordered Johanan not to do such a thing because he heard rumors about Ishmael. They were not true. And then Gadaliah, this honorable man um, who made a fatal mistake when he misjudged Ishmael's character. Look at verse 1 of chapter 41. Now it came to pass in the seventh month that Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah, the son of Elishamah, ...of the royal family of the officers of the king came with ten men to Gadaliah, the son of Achim at Mizpah. And they ate bread together in Mizpah. Then Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah, and the ten men who were with him, arose and struck Gadaliah, the son of Aachim, the son of Shaphan, with the sword and killed him whom the Babylonians had made governor over the land. Or Babylon had made, king of Babylon made governor over the land. Ishmael also struck down all the Jews who were with him, that is, with Gadaliah at Mizpah, and the Chaldeans who were found there, the men of war. Now listen, the thing that's taking place here is huge. If in these days, in this culture, if you were to invite me to your house for food, right? So what's happened? Under the rules of fellowship, I would be entitled to safety and provision. So if I came over to your house, there was like, it didn't matter who we were, we could have been you know enemies or just had this ought together. But when you invite somebody into your house, you, you were going to protect them. You are not only going to provide for them, but you were going to protect them as well. So this thing that's done here is a huge transgression. You invite them into the house, and then you're going to slay the dude. So you should have great hospi- hospitality and protection. So this right here that has been done is a, gr- is a huge no-no, even if they hated one another. Your hospitality carried beyond just a normal hospitality. Ishmael was a guy that may have had a royal blood in his veins, but he had no royal character. So here's this guy that's coming to Galilee with ten men for this kind of this peaceful meeting, right? That's a peaceful meeting. They sat together eating. Ishmael and all his cohorts are out there. And 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 they strike down Gadaliah, the governor. And they also kill all the Jews, probably those who were attending the banquet, as well as the Babylonian soldiers who were stationed there. I'll tell you what, it's a big mess now. And King Nebuchadnezzar is going to have something to say about this. You know, he's just not going to say, oh, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. He's going to have an answer. But the murders continue. Look at verse 4. It says that it happened on the second day after he killed Gadaliah. So you, you you already killed all these guys. And then he said when. As yet no one knew it. Still a secret. That certain men came from Shechem. From Shiloh. And from Samaria. Eighty men. With their beards shaved. And their clothes torn. Having cut themselves with offerings and incense in the land. To bring them to the house of the Lord. So here you have this entourage coming. To meet at the house of God, they have offerings together. And now in verse 6, Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, went out from Mizpah to meet them. Weeping as he went along, and it happened as he met them, that he said to them, Come to Gadaliah, the son of of Uh, Iakam. So it was, when they came into the midst of the city, that Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, killed them. I mean, Gadaliah was already dead. Killed them and cast them in the midst of the pit, he and his men who were with them. So, you know, again, this, you begin by killing one person, then the next one goes off. And where does this stop? Where does this stop? You see, that's just like a life that spirals downhill. When do you stop? You, know, you can keep trying to dig it out and dig it out, but all you're doing is going to dig it deeper and dig it, dig it deeper, Right? The more mistakes that we make and we keep going on and keep going on. I, I remember this myself. Didn't turn to God, knew the answer, turned to God. What did I do? I can work this out on my own. The Lord allowed me to suffer for four months. Trying to dig myself out of the hole. And all the time I was trying to dig myself out of the hole, I was digging it deeper and deeper and deeper. And, deeper. and then it goes deeper, deeper, nobody can hear me. You know, I'm so far down in there. Where's Al? Anybody seen him? No, he's down in that hole. Anybody can help him? Nobody can help him. See, so the answer is, you know, you got to stop digging that hole. you got to stop killing all these people. you got to stop start at some time fessing up because you keep going bad and keep going worse and all this stuff. It's not going to get you anywhere. And too many people will just keep going on and on and on, keep going downhill, further and further downhill, and committing, you know, continuing to commit sin instead of just stopping right where you're at. You think about that. Come to that point, just stop. I think this is what the world needs to do. Put on pause for a minute. And just take a deep breath and exhale, okay? And then say, Lord, this world's a mess. Help me. I'm a mess. Help me. Help me. Because... We, we need to stop and take a breath, but it's just it's not this mind over matter thing. It's this thing of where we're, we need help. And the proper help, if we just stop for a minute, is only Jesus Christ. There's no other help out there. And so these men, they came down from north, the northern kingdom looking to make sacrifices. And they may have been from days of Josiah's day. There weren't many good things going on back then, but it, or right now. But it uh, you know, may, may have been part of Josiah's reform. Nobody else was attempting to live right before God. So these men are tr- carrying this grain offering. They're, they're carrying this incense to the temple. And even though the temple had been destroyed, they were going to m- meet on the side of the temple, where the temple had been located. So they have this desire just to be in fellowship, just to make these sacrifices. But the question is, why did why did Ishmael kill these worshipers? Why, I mean, when is it going to stop? Well, the answer might be in verse 8. Look at it. It says, but ten men were found among them who said to Ishmael, "Do not kill us for we have treasures of wheat, barley, oil and honey in the field And so he, he, he desisted. he stopped he, that was the ransom and did not kill them uh, and did not kill them among their brethren. So it seems that maybe Ishmael was when he found out they had more loot in the wilderness or wherever out there yeah, well I'm going to get richer I'll take that for personal gain." It's all a cannon fodder because it's not going to last. Listen, the Bible says what? Your sin will find you out. (laughs) Right? Where are you going to run? What are you going to do? And it doesn't matter who you are. God has a heart that he died for the sins of the world. So he doesn't want anybody to get away with their sin. He he wants it and he exposes it because, you know, the sin in people's life because he loves us. And he says, you know, you're not going to get away with this later. I want you to know you're not going to get away with it now and I love you. And so these people have all these goods, it's buried out there. Ishmael thinks, well, okay, that's the key. Then maybe that's what I need to go after. So 80 people, you think about 80 people in his entourage. that would have been a lot of loot with them. That would have been a lot of money, a lot of grain, a lot of oil, a lot of honey, a lot of barley. And here we see that 10 of the 80, they managed to bargain for their lives by telling Ishmael, oh, well, we got some more back here, man. Come on, be cool. Bartering on them. Hey, we got some more. And so, just spare our lives and we'll take you to it. Ishmael's greed, looks like he got the best of him and he didn't kill them. Look at verse 9. So, he says, so it says, the pit into which Ishmael cast all the dead bodies of the men whom he had slain um, because of Gadaliah was the same as Esau, was the same one Esau the king uh, had made for fear of uh, Beasha, king of Israel. It might be, some people will call us into a cistern that was dug out, held water to keep people alive. Now it's a burying place, I, whatever it might be. It's pretty big if you think about it. You got 70 men and then all the people that were in there before and they're piled on top of one another. Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah, filled it with the slain. In verse 10, then Ishmael carried away captive all the rest of the people who were in Mizpah, the king's daughter, and all the people who remained at Mizpah, whom Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had committed to Gadaliah, the son of Ahikam, And Ishmael, the son of Nathanael, car- carried them away captive and departed to go over to the Ammonites. Remember, that's Jordan, that's over to the east. So Ishmael, they began, began uh, to move, to Ammon, that's his allies over there, his good friends. But there's a problem. <laughs> Always a problem. Look at Johanna's response. Look at verse 11. It says, but. Hoping that things would get better, but uh, I don't think so. When Johannan, the son of Korea, and all the captains of the forces that were with him, Heard of all the evil that Ishmael the son of Neth- Nethaniah had done, they took all the men and went to fight with Ishmael the son of Nethaniah, and they found him by the great pool that is in Gibeon. So it was when all the people who were with Ishmael saw Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the captains of the uh, forces who were with him, that they were glad. And then all the people whom Ishmael had carried away captive from Mizpah, turned around and came back and went to Johanan, the son of Korea. But Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, escaped from Johanan with eight men and went to the Ammonites. So all that stuff you got, you ain't taking with you. And he's on the run again. And so Johanan, verse 16, the son of Korea and all the captains of the forces that were with him took from Mizpah all the rest of the people who had, uh, whom he had recovered from Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, after, all he, after he had murdered Gadaliah, the son of Iakim, the mighty men of, of war, and the women and the children and the eunuchs, whom he had brought back from Gibeon. And they departed and dwelt in the habitation of Chimham, which is near Bethlehem. And there were, uh, they went on their way to Egypt because the uh, Chaldeans, for they were afraid of them because Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, had murdered Gadaliah, the son of Ahiakim, whom the king of Babylon had made governor over the land. So Johanan probably feared, if Nebuchadnezzar finds out that Gadaliah and all these people had, uh, were put in charge, were killed, then what's going to keep King Nebuchadnezzar from taking vengeance on them? So Jehannan he forms this army. Heard about all the crimes. He mobilized and all their men, and they uh, set off to fight Ishmael. And the band, they're just a band of soldiers, caught up near this great pool of Gibeon, and the uh, those taken captive are eventually turned away from Ishmael and went to johanan but he fled, near this, uh, he fled in fear of Nebuchadnezzar coming after him. And so Ishmael, along with just eight men now, <laughs> escaped during the conflict and fled to Ammon. And look at chapter 42. Now all the captains of the forces, Johanan, the son of Korea, Jazaniah, the son of Hosh- Hosea, and all the people from the least to the greatest came near, and said to Jeremiah the prophet, Please let our petition be accepted to you and pray for us to the Lord your God. For all this remnant, since we are left but a few of many, as you can see, that the Lord your God may show us the way in which we should walk and the things we should do. I want to pause there for a minute. Whenever there's a problem, many times when there's a problem, people will say, "Pray for me, right? You want to know? Would you pray for me? What you hear from the Lord? I want to hear something. What do you think that God would have me do?" There's a good rule of thumb when we go through this. Not only you want to pray for somebody, but we have in this days. Jeremiah had access to the. He was a prophet of God. A repentant sinner coming back to the Lord has just as much access to the Father as anybody else. They don't have to go to, remember we're studying the Nicolaitans. They don't have to go to the hierarchy. They don't have to go to the priest, the pastor. But in this case, here's this guy, this group saying, you know, hey, Johannes says, hey, we want to hear from the Lord. Well, they're in trouble. Anybody in trouble wants to hear from the Lord, right? Look, we've got this sentence against us. And we want to make sure things are right. So why don't you give us something here hear from the Lord? The interesting thing is, number one, people that oftentimes want to hear from the Lord don't really want to hear from the Lord unless it, goes their, unless it goes their way. That's all they want to do. They just want to hear. And so the other thing is, is if people really want to hear from the Lord, you know what I have them do? is say, look, you're relying on me. Why don't you just pray? Because I know you got something up your sleeve. And if you want to hear from the Lord, you're not going to do, you know, imagine this. Jeremiah has been telling these people for over 40 years of what to do from the Lord, and nobody's followed through, so I don't know if he's got that much hope left in him. I don't know if I would. But Jeremiah, the prophet, verse 4, said to them, I have heard, indeed, I will pray to the Lord your God according to your words, and it shall be that whatever the Lord answers you, I will declare it to you, and I will keep nothing back from you. I'm going to tell you exactly like it is. You know Jeremiah's going to do that. And so he said to Jeremiah, let the Lord be a true and faithful witness between us if we do not do according to everything which the Lord your God sends us by you. Here's a plea. Yeah, we're going to do it, Jeremiah. Whatever you say, whatever the Lord tells you to do, we're going to do it. Now you had hoped that to be the case, right? Right? This is why it's important when, you know, I don't get my hopes up too much. I mean, I love people. I'll lead them. I'll be with them. I'll, I'll do whatever I can do. But I want them to have some skin in the game. And they tell me they're going to do this, then I keep leaving it on them to do that. Because, I, I, you know what, the last thing I want to do is I don't want to have my hands into a, a mess where God's using his chasing rod right, of SWAT. If God is going to chase it, I don't want to soften the blow. And it's just the way it is. Let God do what he's going to do. So listen, in verse 5, So they said to Jeremiah, Let the Lord be a true and faithful witness between us. If we do not do according to everything which the Lord your God sends us by you, whether it is pleasing or displeasing. So again, they're saying, it, it doesn't matter what he says, we're going to do it. We will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we send you, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. You see, I wonder, again, if Jeremiah is feeling that, no matter what he tells this remnant, that they're not going to listen anyway. Okay. My ministry is built on 40 years of telling the truth, and nobody's listening. Kind of calloused in a way, right? That's kind of the way I've been feeling lately. Not that you guys don't listen, but this world out there, its my, my heart is almost calloused. i got to watch it. All the things that are going on. But then again, after the Lord... Seeing that the Lord is destro- destroys their nation. You know, Judah is just a mess. And because of it being disobedience, you think that they might be eager to hear his input. Well, look at what's going on in the world today. Same thing, right? You, you might think that people want to hear from God. Do they really want to hear from the Lord? The number one thing that people can do today if they want to hear from the Lord is this. Repent. A very simple I mean, really, it's, and it's not being judgmental because that's what I need to do. I need to watch my heart that I don't become callous, that I don't become hard. I've been telling you guys that. That I, that I don't have these rocks in my life with all these heart, you know, from the world that I'm plugging in there with media and this and that and the other thing. You just heard that. Oh, no, I don't go there. It's another rock, I'm trying to confess. Up, Chuck it. <laughs> but it's just just interesting. So you, you want to have these things to where... You know, you're hoping that people will cry out to the Lord. Listen, God is still on the throne. My my granddaughter, we're taking her back to meet mom today at the church, and they spent the night with us last night. My granddaughter, we're talking about some things, and she's saying, "Poppy, um, what what is uh, w- you know what were, we t- uh, we we're talking about? Something having to do with the world. We're got mixed up in a world, and talking about this world and all the things going on in the world, and you know, and I and I just gotta say, this is what they're asking for. People want to live this way. And I, and I told her, I said, you know what? Well, you know what's great? I said, you and your brothers and uh, your your baby sister and your uh, cousin, both, you know, Ian and Deborah's kids, what a blessing that you guys have. And they, I'm speaking to everyone in here, too, because we have the truth. I said, I said listen, to my granddaughter, I said, do you know that you have you're so blessed because you 30 years ago poppy got saved nana got saved we didn't know you but god had a plan and god was going to bring you into our lives isn't that so cool that now we all we want to do is hear from the lord i said there's people out there don't want to hear from the lord And, and and i said you know what my mom and dad didn't want to hear from the lord and she looked at me like there was like a revelation boom and it was like yeah poppy i'm so glad that you know you guys came to the lord but that's so cool, you know? That's what we want to do. And we want to keep hearing from the Lord. So look at verse 7. It says, So Jeremiah prays, and it happened after 10 days. And I like that, because sometimes we think the Lord needs an answer like that, right? happened after 10 days that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. And then he called Johanan, the son of uh, Korea, all the captains of the forces which were with him, and all the people from the latest, or from the least, uh, even to the greatest, and said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present uh, your petition before, listen, if you will still remain in the land, then I will build you and not pull you down and I will plant you and not pluck you up for I relent concerning the disaster that I have brought upon you. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon of whom you are afraid and do not be afraid of him, says the Lord, for I am with you. That's all you gotta tell me. For I am with you to save you and deliver you uh, from his hand. And I will show you mercy that he may have mercy on you and cause you to return to your own land. Now listen, this would require faith, right? Because here it is that God is speaking. And it doesn't matter how old, how how mature you are in the Lord, how much you have going on in, this, in with the Lord, how educated you are in the Lord. It still requires faith that we're going to trust in the Lord no matter what is you know, going on around us. You see, we have to have faith and to trust in God. We're not, he's not to worry about the Babylonians. Now, that's kind of a scare factor. The Babylonians were ruthless. You turn on the Babylonians and they turned on you with a vengeance. And so, but he prayed. Here he is. Asked Jeremiah to pray. The Lord spoke. So what do you do? Question, what do you do? You see, our faith is only going to grow as far as we'll trust the Lord in it. Even today, we pray, but we got to be cautioned that we're not tuned into only hearing what we want to hear. Because what if God said this and we're looking for this? Sometimes we got a preconceived idea of what we want to hear from the Lord, right? But, But are we open to hearing from him to say, Lord, what about this? See, everything points to even this, and I don't know how I'm going to get past this, but here's the Lord speaking over here, and you got all this going on. He says, you know, but I'm speaking, and you want to hear from him. How many, is it, how many of us are going to trust him in that? Because that takes faith. It's faith in God. You see, it's faith that if the Lord said, go to the other side of the get in the boat. He commanded the disciples, get in the boat. Go and I'll meet you on the other side. And what did they do? They got in the boat, like the Lord commanded, started rolling over about halfway through three and a half miles over the uh, the sea. Uh, then, then all of a sudden the winds became very strong. And what did they do? They started freaking out. Why? They forgot what the Lord had told them. He told them, I'll meet you on the other side. Just because it got difficult didn't mean that they had to take their eyes off of what God told them to do. What about in Luke chapter five? Luke chapter five, the guys have been fishing all night long. They had caught nothing. They were so wore out. They were cleaning their nets. They were putting all their stuff together. They were done. It was morning time. Jesus comes to them. Their boat is in the shallow of the bay. And what does he say? Throw the net on the other side. Are you kidding me? I just washed my net. I just washed my net. Well, what did you wash it for? You didn't catch anything. It didn't smell like fish. <laughs> You know, but, it, but, but they said, nevertheless, at your word, right? And it says this in Luke chapter five. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. You see, by taking God at his word, no matter what the odds are that are stacked against us, it's incredible that we can trust him and our faith grows. Our faith grows. You see, sometimes I forget about that. Do you? Sometimes I do. I'm still big on taking things into my own hands. I'm still into trying to play Mr. Fix-It. You see, that's what we have a trouble with. I think Christians today, we're, we're trying to fill ourselves and we've been filling ourselves with all of what we can do instead of what God can do. A lot of times we need to get back into his word and build our faith in him. See, we're, we're, the word is trying to compete with other things in our hearts. And and it's ever gonna grow root in our hearts if we don't give it room. And we gotta get all the other things out of there so that when his word shows up, that it's able to find ground and plant root and grow into fruit. I'm just saying this in my own life. I'm learning how to still cultivate my heart after 30 years. here Jeremiah warns of the consequence. Look at verse 13. But if you say... We will not dwell in the land. So this is like that Deuteronomy 28, the blessing and cursing chapter. But if you say we will not dwell in the land, disobey the voice of the, the Lord our God, saying no, but we will go to the land of Egypt where we shall see no war. You know, you think so. Nor hear the sound of the trumpets, nor hunger for bread. And, and there we will dwell. It's like, you know what? We're just gonna go back to the way it used to be. We liked it like that. If you thought that you were okay before Christ, you were a mess then it's like me I never go well, why would I go back there oh man man we used to go get man it was cool no it was not cool it wasn't cool it was idiotic it was stupid but sadly this is what many people do and they have to, you know instead of exercising faith in God because you got to trust God you got to just close your eyes to everything that's out there and say God if you said it, I'll follow you look at verse 15. Then, hear now the word of the Lord, O remnant of Judah. Thus says the Lord God, the God of Israel, if you wholly set your face to enter Egypt, God knows their hearts. He knows what they're going to do. And go to dwell there. Then it shall be that the sword which you feared shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt. The famine of which you were afraid shall follow close after you there in Egypt. And there you shall die. So you think you're going to run there and find safety? No, God says you're going to die. Verse 17 So shall it be with all the men uh, who set their faces to go to Egypt to dwell there, and they shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence, and none of them shall remain nor escape from the disaster that I will bring upon them. See, the Lord's saying, you're not going to listen to me? Watch, i got a whooping stick. Verse 18, For thus says the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, As my anger and my fury has been poured out on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so will my fury be poured out on you when you enter Egypt and you shall be an oath an astonishment, a curse and a reproach, then you shall see this place no more. Now listen. Get rid of the idea of why does the guy just want to let them have their way? Because he knows the danger's out there. It's like today, right? I mean, the, God gives them pretty clear direction. It's not that you know, well, I just want to have my way. You can have your way. You don't have to walk with Christ. You don't have to. I mean, people, God's not going to, God's not going to make you walk with Him if you don't want to. But if you want to live, you know, have your sins forgiven, if you want to live in eternity, you want to have heaven in eternity. The only way to get there is through Jesus Christ. So He says that. Don't trip out and say there's another way. Well, I've been trying this other way. Well, I heard there's another way, no, There's no other way. So He's faithful to His word. He's faithful, and He says, you know what? It's a pretty clear direction that He gives. And they ask to hear from the Lord, and the Lord has spoken. So before we move on, let me just ask this question. How clear does the Lord have to be to you before you agree with him? I mean, how clear, really? I, I'm asking myself that same question, by the way. I really am. Because I want to hear from the Lord, but how clear does he have to be? If he's spoken, why don't I just submit to it? You see, do we need, do we need him to confirm over and over again that, oh, this is the Lord. Hey, wake up. And Jeremiah reiterates what the Lord had shared with him. Look at verse 19. The Lord has said concerning you, O remnant of Judah, do not go to Egypt. That's pretty crystal clear, right? I love that about the Lord. He's crystal clear. He doesn't beat around a bush. I mean, you can, yeah, no, don't go. No, certainly that I have admonished you this day. So I've told you. Anybody, that's, that's why it's so important to be crystal clear. When you come to church, you get the gospel message. You understand that Jesus Christ is the answer. I'm admonishing you this day. All you watching online, I'm admonishing you this day. He says, you know what? I've admonished you this day, for you were hypocrites in your hearts when you sent me to the Lord your God saying, pray for us. You guys are already hypocrites. God already knew the heart, their hearts. Pray for us to the Lord our God and according to all that the Lord your God says, so declare it to us and we will do it. And I have this day declared it to you. I have this day declared uh, it to you. But you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God and or, or anything which he has sent you by me. Now therefore, know certainly that you shall die by the sword, by the famine, by the pestilence in a place where you desire to go and dwell. You see... God knew their evil hearts, and he warned them. He warned them, don't do this. If you go to Egypt, it's going to be fatal. No different today. God is crystal clear. And he does it out of grace. People say, oh, it's your I'm going to come to him, and I'm going to go to hell. No, no, no. It's grace. He's throwing out his life, life preserver, saying, you know what? Hey, if you don't want to drown, catch this. I'll throw it to you. I don't want that one. I want a pink one. You know, I want a rainbow one. It's like you know you got to understand it is grace he's throwing you anything, me anything, right? And so, what would you do? You know, you you know here are these guys are warned not to go to Egypt. What would you do? My prayers of late, seriously, my prayers of late, Lord, give me ears to hear what the Spirit is speaking to me about. Give me ears to hear. Give me ears to hear. I want to know. See, I've been questioning myself in the area of trust. me personally. Am I trusting you, Lord? Or am I playing it safe, not wanting to be risky in my older age? See, when I was a brand new born-again Christian, I'm like this, i was still 30 years old. When I was a born-again Christian, brand new, you know, baby, on fire, and I still still feel I am on fire for the Lord. You know what I was doing? Lord, whatever you want, send me. That's what got me to the Northwest. Lord, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Right? Whatever you want me to do. I mean, I was just on fire. You just wanted that. Lord, you want me to go speak? I'll speak over there. You want me to go there? I'll go over there. But I feel like sometimes in my older days, sometimes as if I might be like, oh, I know too much. And I'm not bragging. I know I'm not that intelligent. But, I, you know, I know too much. I'm, you know, and I just start wrestling with things in my mind. Instead of being free to say, Lord, take me, go. And not being worried about making mistakes. See, I think that's the thing. i made so many mistakes I don't want to make anymore. Like, Lord, just go. And, and so it's not that I've gotten too smart or anything like that, but I want that childlike faith. I want that, remember this, Ephesians, giddiness. I want that giddiness, that love for Jesus that is just like, I'll just do anything you want me to do. I want to hear from you. I want that absolute surrender to the Lord wherever he's speaking in my heart. I want, it, I, want it, I want him to know, and I want to agree with that. I'm Lord, 24-7, I'm still yours, right? So let's close it off right here. We'll just start in chapter 43. Just start. Now it happened when Jeremiah had stopped speaking to all the people, all the words of the Lord their God, for which the Lord their God has sent him to them. All these words that Azariah, the son of Hoshia, and Johanan, uh, the son of Kereah, and all these proud men spoke, saying to Jerusalem, "You speak, or speak, Jeremiah, you speak falsely." This is what they're telling him. The Lord our God has not sent you to, to say, "Do not go to Egypt to dwell there," but Barak the son of Neriah has sent you to us to deliver us in the hands of the Chaldeans, that they may they may put us to death or carry us uh, away uh, captive to Babylon. And, and so Johanan the son of Korea, the and all the captains of the forces and all the uh, you know, all the people would not obey the voice of the Lord uh, to remain in the land of Judah. But Johanna, the son of Korea, and all the captains of the forces took all the remnant of Judah, and all the uh, all had returned to dwell in the land of Judea, uh, Judah, and from all the nations where they had been driven, men, women, children, the king's daughters, Zedekiah's daughters, more than likely. And every person whom and the ki- the captain of the, a guard had left with Gadaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, and Jeremiah, the, the prophet, and Barak, the son of Neriah. And so they went to the land of Egypt, and they did not obey the voice of the Lord, and they went as far as Tafanese. Sad, right? Sad. We want to hear from the Lord, as thus saith the Lord. Anyone we hear that. And they take things into their own hands. Let me ask you, Mike. Come on up here and close us worship. Let me ask you as Mike comes up here. What are, what is it you've been asking from the Lord? Seriously, what are you asking from the Lord? And what have you liked or disliked that He said to you? He's spoken to you. What, I mean, you know, how many times do we have to be told just because we didn't get our answer the way I, I want wanted this way? I wanted, you know, and and how many times? You see, may our words be, Lord, wherever I go, I, I, wherever, wherever you want me to go, there I'll go. Or, or, Lord, where would I go? Because you have the words of eternal life. I want to hear from you. In this day and age that we live in, there's got to be something that takes precedent in our lives as believers, and it is the word of God. We've got to take give the word of God precedent in our lives so we're living with his word in our lives. We can rebel Or listen, even in our rebellion, we can call out to the Lord. That's the goodness of God, is it not? That even in our rebellion, we can call out to the Lord. And we say, Lord, help me. And boom, forgive me, Lord. And we're restored right back to him. And we have ears to hear, and he's ready to direct our marching orders again. You see, remember that song? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. May our hearts be like that. Tonight, as Mike closes us off in worship, may our hearts be like that. May our hearts be tender to the point, if they're not, let's cry out to God in our seats, right where we're at, just ask God, God, cultivate in my heart, soften my heart with oil. Soften it, Lord. And if we, you know, you're here, you're watching online, you don't have a relationship with the Lord, you're backslidden, listen, I want to encourage you, cut it out, come back to Jesus come back to Jesus. He's the only answer. He will always be the only answer. So, Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for your goodness and we thank you for your grace.
0: We hope you've enjoyed spending this time in God's Word and our prayer is that you'll take it with you and apply it to your life. If you'd like to learn more about Calvary Longview, visit our website at cclongview.com. While you're there, you can find more teachings, request prayer, or even find out how you can get involved with what God is doing in our city. We hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you back here next time. And remember, Jesus loves you and so do we.